HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. following program has been brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you sound in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And I am hanging out in the studio drinking some champagne with my buddy Nicholas Blatty, the proprietor, importer, distributor of PM Spirits, a really amazing company that's been bringing in some really, really cool and unique cognac, Pinot Chiron, like all kinds of amazing stuff that really gets me excited about buying booze for my bars. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Nicholas. Thanks, man. Um, really good to have you here. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. That's uh, It's nice. I, I, I was here like four years ago. And it was just like by myself, almost like got robbed on the way to, you know, Roberta's. And now it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, this place has changed tremendously. Oh, yeah, it totally has. It's it's crazy that you were here four years ago and see that like, you walked in and you were like, dude, I can't believe there's a backyard. <laughs> you know, it's weird. Um, but uh, much like uh, the progress of this place, you've been really progressing for the last uh, four and a half-ish years that you started getting into this. Uh, to the spirits uh, side of things, um, fairly, fairly recently ago, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I started uh, like I started the business uh, about four and a half years. Now it's probably going to be soon five because I've been saying four and a half for a long time now. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's it started it started. Uh, I was doing other stuff before. I uh, wasn't really happy with you know the, the, the line of work I was in, and I, I you know made a switch about yeah let's say let's say five years ago now. Um, you you told me before you were you were a chemical engineer before you got into this. Yeah, but that's 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 not something we want to spread. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was uh, I, I guess I, I wasted a lot of time uh, studying and then working a few years in France and working a few years in the U.S. and then. Uh, because I'm because I'm not too bright. It took me like like six years to realize that that chemical engineering um, sucked. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just so I, I decided to try to do something that I really would you know like doing. 
Yeah. Uh, and and I drink a lot of booze, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's sense. that makes so much sense to me. Were you uh, were you like a fan? Were you? Did you ever like? Work in bartending or any kind of restaurant. Dude, or never, bar. never in my life. Like, no, you were just like totally a fan. That, that's that, that's the thing. Uh, that's the thing. Whenever whenever I meet people and I, I pour some of those booze that we import, distribute, or whatever, uh, I usually like make a point of like pouring booze all over the bars or, or like all over the table because I've never worked service <laughs> one, one day in my life, so I just suck at it. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, no, I guess it, it's more like I was drinking a lot of spirits. I was drinking quite a bit of wines too, and uh, and I was very dumb. I'm st- still am, but I was very dumb like like five years ago, and and I like I thought I knew shit. Like I really thought that that like you gotta understand there's a cultural thing where you're French. When you're French, you know. That's that's what my people do, right? Yeah. So you're French and you're from Bordeaux. You know Bordeaux, even though you had like you know four wines in your life. Just the fact that you live there makes you feel that you know everything about it. Sure, I get it. Um, so I had a relationship with a, with a friend of my grandfather who was a cognac maker. And like up until uh, like day two in the business, I was really sure that I knew stuff. You, you were know? kind of a snob about it? Oh, yeah, but you, you don't realize it because you're, <laughs> you're French, so it's in you. You see yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then you realize like that you're full of shit. You don't know anything, and you should really work hard because otherwise you're gonna, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go too far. So. <laughs> what was the uh, what were some of the like the first things that actually like that struck you? Like first of all, like as far as like a wine or uh, a spirit, was it cognac? I and mean, was that one of the things that like really? I mean, I guess you just kind of grew into it. You were you grew it's, up with it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like. I grew up in a family like my. I've been raised like half by uh, say half by my uh, my grandparents, half by my mother, and I lived at my grandparents' place when I was when I was young, and they were making wine in Bordeaux, like nothing fancy, mm-hmm. uh, just like you know usual table wine. Um, it would be like you know fourteen ninety nine on on the shelf here or something, and uh, and that's uh, so you, you you start drinking fairly early, not like. A lot of wine, but you you know everybody drinks wine around the table for lunch or dinner, so you get a few drops or whatever, and so you get a you get into you like get v- into Vinlo, huh? Vinlo, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, and uh, and uh, and then it all goes from there. So you know you start you start tasting wine when you're like four or five, and then uh, and then you get to um, you know through family friends and stuff. I I got to taste cognacs because my I remember my, my, my grandfather and my uncle and stuff having cognac uh, after the family meal, watching at the Formula One, the Formula One championships oh, yeah. on Sundays, and uh, I guess that's uh, it, it. It grew very uh, organically. Um, there's no, I, I don't have, I don't have like a, I don't have any story of like a '47 Cheval Blanc double <laughs> Magnum that, you know, struck me and I realized that I should be in the wine business. See, I think I think that if uh, Americans weren't so Puritan, then we would also. I mean, I guess. I don't know. Jack could probably say something about this, but uh, I feel like we would also be very snobby about like bur- like uh, bourbon. You know, if we were able to, you know, drink it at the table when we're like five or six, you know, with with a little bit of water, of course, uh, we'd probably be even snobbier than we are about our whiskeys when most people don't really <laughs> in the United States know. Yeah, much it's, about it's it. like it's likely, but you'd be uh, you'd be just uh, you just you'd be just number two right behind the French. <laughs> like, this is some French is always number one. 
Uh, as far as snobbery goes, yeah, that's uh, you can't beat them. They're pretty far. They're pretty far. I, I actually, I mean, Bordeaux is one of like the most beautiful cities I've ever seen in my life, and I'm, I'm very jealous of that. You know, I I love where I'm from in Oklahoma, but man, Bordeaux is a beautiful, beautiful city, especially at night. You know, it's a it's a crazy town. No, it's 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 uh, it's cool. I mean, you you want to you want to you want to make sure that you you grab you grab dinner before like eight forty five p.m. because right. otherwise. Uh, you gotta wait. You gotta wait, wait the next day, right? Uh, again, <laughs> You're getting breakfast. breakfast, but yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool city. But you know, I mean, it's like I grew up there, so I'm not really, I'm, I'm not really like. Uh, uh, I guess I, I'm biased. Yeah, yeah to totally. It. But it's a, it looks like, especially now they did they did a lot of renovations and stuff. It looks it looks pretty good. Yeah, totally. When did you move to the United States? Um, well, so about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working on my accent since then. Uh, <laughs> has, hasn't worked too well so far. How, how is your? You have to say y'all. Y'all, yeah, y'all. I do. <laughs> I do that. I adapt. I usually adapt. Like when I work the Texas market, yeah. I do. I do the y'all thing, and then and then <laughs> I, I, I I follow up with like broken English, and people are just then everyone like, giggles, and then they buy your products, right? <laughs> and then people ask me where I'm from, and it's just like you know, oh, okay. You say say like Louisiana. <laughs> You could get away with it. I usually I usually go with when I'm not in Texas. Uh, when people ask me where I'm from, um, I usually go with uh, Texas. I, I, I do like I'm from Houston, Texas, and <laughs> and there is there is like a stop. Like people like people just like you know wait a few seconds and look at me and like that's weird because maybe it's been maybe it's been you know like kept into like a cave or something <laughs> or, like, captured by French people in Houston, Texas. Uh, I've heard but, that's a thing. <laughs> no, so uh, you've been here ten years, and you uh, you got you got into this about four and a half five years ago. One four and a half years forever, right? Right, exactly. Um, but uh, so you saw something in the market that you thought needed to come through. Like, first of all, you're really hardcore into brandies. That's that's what. Yeah, that's my thing. That's that's that. Like, I have a uh, I have a hands on relationship with brandies in the sense that I started with a small seller of mine, just a few casks of stuff that. Actually, uh, cask of cognac that I had uh, in uh, that I still have uh, in uh, in uh, in the cognac region, like in Grand Champagne, I have this like a little shack that where there's a, you know some casks. Uh, I think there's somebody who's trying to. Uh, yeah, somebody's trying to break into the studio right now. Anyway. Um, <laughs> they, heard, they heard cognac and then they started yeah. breaking in. Um, but so that's 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 how that's how I started. So and there's the chemist in me sort of likes. To understand how stuff works, and especially the aging process, so I worked a little bit. I mean, not like professionally per se. Like I'm not. I've never spent like like four years in my salary every day trying to do stuff. But it's really something that I try to um, that I, I try to understand what happened if you I don't know if you want to bring down the proof of something. What do you use? How do you do it when um, when you make a blend? Like how does that work? Do you you blend everything together? Do you start by putting in that tank or that cask, whatever is um, the, the, the brandy you have that's lower proof, or do you start by what's higher proof? Or do you, I mean, how, how does it work? So that's the kind of stuff that I started to do. And, um, and I got more knowledge um, that way. And so, so brandy, brandy would be like cognac, and then by extension, brandy would be sort of my, my, my first, like, yeah, the, the first love, if you will. I, I like how you mentioned Texas before, um, because Dennis in Texas is the sister city to Cognac. 
All right, baby. See? Yeah. So now, now, now I get, I get the legitimate, legitimate yeah. thing yeah, to say. Yeah, it all comes full circle, right? All right. Because right. like in, during the uh, the late 19th century, when there was the uh, phylloxera breakout uh, that killed off a lot of the the grape harvest, you know, most most of it in, in most of Europe, uh, there was I forget his name. What was his name? Anyway, he was uh, a botanist and and. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I've, I've, I've read that thing. I've never, never put two and two together, but that's actually, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was the right. one who grafted the rootstocks sure, 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 sure. to yeah, uh, yeah. the American rootstocks to the the uh, European rootstocks to uh, basically save uh, the grape harvests to continue producing cognac. There's a there's a memorial to him in uh, the middle of uh, the city of Cognac. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's correct. I've, so it's a good thing uh, that you're you're going to Texas, you know. Exactly. <laughs> you're it's, just paying uh, them back, you know, yep. pay, paying gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that the, the brandy market in the United States is crazy. And I think we talked a little bit about this before the show. It's just, you know, a lot of it's like very like brand driven and what you're bringing in is a lot of kind of more obscure, more like producer forward rather than brand forward, uh, uh, juice, you know, you're bringing a lot of cool stuff to the market. The, the, the idea is, uh, the idea is to bring, whether it's like cognac or maniac, like whatever kind of booze. Uh, we can think of like bring the the grower version of that thing. Mm-hmm. So like now everybody does handcrafted um, craft or artisanal small batch, whatever, however you name it. But the idea is to uh, to um, focus on the the the, 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 the juice first, like mm-hmm. the quality, of what's 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 in the bowl. Uh, not not it's not about not about a specific brand. It's not about a um, you know, uh, a cute marketing story, or like money thrown at people, or like throwing parties and shit. It's just like, you know, just just trying to get um, to uh, whoever is into spirits, um, trying trying to get that that person to experience what's really made by real people, like people who don't don't cut corners, don't use additives, um, don't buy stuff from you know. The co-op or, or like other producers and sort of like yeah then 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 like ball that under their own name and say yeah that's ours. Uh, yeah. It's just like people who like farmers would do would do stuff that they've been like they've been doing for generations and they just that's it. I, I love the idea of the grower grower champagnes grower cognac you know, like anything that's like the grower like because it really is the original. It's like the OG version of the like local like organic. You know it's. This was grown on our land. Yep. Then we harvest it, and then we produce we produce the wine, and then we distill it, and then we age it. It all happened on this plot of land. You know, it's it's the original style. You know, we like you said, like there's a lot of marketing strategies that romanticize and come up with this cute story about uh, their spirit, and, you know, how they made it, and like this whole like backstory that mm-hmm. most of the time. Is it's bullshit. fake. Yeah, it's sure. bullshit, yeah. you know. But I really like the idea of the the grower champagne. If, like, if 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 you if you if you think about it, like if you, you you look you look at you know the restaurant business or the bar business, and you like people are really into the provenance of everything. Um, so you'll go to a restaurant, and even like the, the the wood for the benches or the table have been like sourced locally or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know you people know the name. The guy know the name of the farmer who they get the, the eggs from and then you go uh, at the bar and you have a cocktail where uh, the base spirit is something that's like you know 12 bucks for a little rum that is uh, mass produced by 
a distillery that that looks like it could be could be making any kind of uh, industrial. Looks like a military base. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It looks like a compound, and you're like, oh, that's cool. All right. So, isn't there a disconnect there? Like, yeah. if like your your wine list is is just amazing. There's like seventy thousand wines. Uh, you cover every vintages from every producer in the Loire Valley. Uh, everybody who age stuff in clay uh, is uh, is represented on your on your wine list. And then on the spirits list, um, you know the the the, the you, you get the, the main suspect. Like it looks like, oftentimes it looks like like uh, an airport bar selection because uh, mm-hmm. that's the that's the same brands that one find all the time. I got nothing against those brands. I'm just saying. You know there are real stuff out there, and there should be a place for those. Yeah. Like there's there's people will ask for brands, and you know one wants Macallan 12, one should be able to purchase Macallan 12. Um, but there's a bunch of other stuff out there, so why only stocking Macallan 12? And I, I have nothing to against Macallan 12, just by the way. But <laughs> it's just an example. Um, I, absolutely, man. And, you know, I, I want the bottle that doesn't have a label on it. You know. <laughs> I mean, oh, it can be that 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 ball can be that 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 ball can be crap. It can it could be real good, but at least you tried it. You yeah, know? exactly. And then you can, and then it's 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 another. Uh, it gives you uh, it gives you something to think about, and you're like, oh, okay, I like this, I like that. Maybe I don't like this style, and and you just like, you just like evolve. That's 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 uh, that's how we all learn about stuff. It's like you you do, you try, and then you 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 move forward. Um, and that's that's what that's what we're trying to do at a small scale on the, uh, on on the booze uh, on the booze side. Cool. Yeah. Hey, Nicholas, let's take a quick, real quick break, and then we'll get back to uh, talking about some of the really, I want to really jump into some of the spirits that you're carrying, because I'm really a huge fan of them. I'm already carrying some of them, so let's get right back. Today's program was brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run digital and offset print house that brings together eco-friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Using environmentally responsible papers, non-toxic inks, and wind power, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and mindful sustainability. Rolling Press offers advice on reducing paper waste and energy consumption, helping you save money and minimize your carbon footprint. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy, and I got my buddy Nicholas Blonsky in the studio, yeah. and he just pulled out something crazy. Um, so I just pulled out a crazy thing too. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, that's a that's a 22 inches knife. Uh, <laughs> well, gonna, I couldn't find a down. wine key to open this, but he just 
we were talking right before the break about all these great spirits that he brings in, and uh, then he went ahead and just popped open uh, out of his bag a very, very high proof, uh, very so special cognac. That's, that, that's, uh, that's 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 just like, that's just that's just to sh- you know some things that we're playing around. Uh, some it's never going to become a brand or anything, but it's just something to. Uh, get people to um, look at brandies and, and, and cognac in this case in different uh, in a different manner so here that stuff is one dude in Grand Champagne Cognac uh, operates one of the last wood-fired pot steel in yep. uh, nice uh, one of the last wood-fired pot steel in Grand Champagne um, and uh, so you watch out because this is pretty high proof it's a single cask. It's 250 liters. Uh, the stuff is about. They say. They say. Uh, they say it's 20 year. Uh, they usually tend to inflate that a bit. So I would say I would place it like 16 to 18 years old. Uh, nothing has been done to it. Unfiltered, foolproof. It's 64.3 percent alcohol, and um, that's uh, like this is something that I. I'm going to pour to people who drink, you know, the tea stack, the Weller, the Handy, the, you know, all the Buffalo sure. Trace anti-collection stuff. Uh, like, people who are into foolproof spirits, there is, like, there is, this is really authentic cognac. Maybe it needs water. Maybe it needs an ice cube. Um, but that stuff is straight from the cask, wood-fired, but still distilled. That stuff is, that you know, that's... that's well, we're we're in the studio. We're not in a uh, a bar or in our kitchen, so we don't have a, a faucet for putting water in this, so we're going to have to just drink it the way it is. Yep. Whoa! So the, I, I approve. <laughs> that, stuff is, that stuff is tight. That stuff is um, concentrated. It's, it's just, um, it has a lot of flavors to it. There's some alcohol, obviously. I mean, 64.3%. Uh, you you you're far away from the. Uh, they they knew they heard us yeah. talking about the cognac. Now they're trying <laughs> they, to break they want, back they in. They want some. <laughs> they want some. Um, but it's uh, that's just to that's just to show that you know cognac, armagnac, like brandy can be very versatile, and and you know people out there need to they need to give a chance to you know like small guys brands or like non brands they they've never known they've never heard about. Just give it, give it a shot. Maybe you'll be, you'll be surprised. Yeah, but that's the, that's exactly what you're doing. You know, um, you're actually giving a shot to the little, the little brands. You know, and you yourself are starting out, and it's great. I mean, you're bringing in like the coolest stuff. I mean, like Pinot de Chirant. You've got uh, these crazy rums that you've, you've brought. You, like, tell us, like, I mean, first of all, I, I haven't had this one yet, so I'm really psyched that this even in the studio. It's a great. Goury, de Chadeville. Chadeville. <laughs> so it's uh, you know, see, just 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 the name itself, it's never going to become a brand because nobody can pronounce it. Yeah, exactly. Um, or, or you, you well, like let's, let's call it like think, GC. Or I think, think after a couple of glasses of this, I'd probably be able to do it. Yeah, get yeah, real well. loose and. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's uh, there, there are there's there's a there's a bunch of stuff out there, and those are not the only things uh, you know available. And then there's like a bunch of other people bringing cool stuff it's just like you know there's a word behind uh beyond the like the big brands that's what i'm saying yeah i mean like i said you know 
like when I was uh, when I was in France, when I was in Cognac and Yarnac and um, and Bordeaux, like I would go to the little bottle shops and I would I brought back I brought back a little bit more than I was probably legally able to get sure. on the airplane, um, and then quite a bit more when I went to duty free. Right, but. I, like I, I loved picking up stuff like this, like the the bottles that I didn't recognize, you know, and you know taking a chance on. But like you've already you've already sourced this stuff, and it's already like I like your brand, your 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 company is bringing in just the coolest stuff, man. I mean, like this is great. It. Thanks. This is one of the coolest cognacs I've ever had. Actually, I'm not bullshitting you because we're live on the radio <laughs> <laughs> this is really cool man and this is it's such a, a legit pleasure um wow okay well let's talk about let's talk about some of the other things now because i'm gonna freak out first of all you got the navarre uh navarre cognacs and uh pinot de Chirant, uh, pinot right, de Chirant. Right, right you got the rosé pinot de Chirant, which mm-hmm. i carry at prime meats yep, yep. and uh it is awesome it is so good man um that one is amazing all the Pinot Chiron you carry is amazing. You've got these crazy rums. Tell me a little bit about the rums because those are those are pretty intense, man. The um, so the idea is um, I got friends in Spain. Their name is uh, they they started a small company a few years ago named Equipo Navazos, and they're known in the uh, in the geeky world of sherry you know drinkers um, as the guy who source you know cool single cask sherries. And then we we started to talk about three years ago about what I was doing in Cognac and Ormagnac and what they were doing in, in, with Sherry's and we figured there was no um, nobody really was was bottling single cask pure old Spanish brandy so that's what we went after and and so like a few times a year we uh, travel and meet them to in Jerez in Spain and then we go to Bodegas we taste and then uh, last year like a year and a half ago we found um, randomly um, like thirty something casks of rums, um, stuff that has been that had been distilled in Dominican Republic, um, aged a little bit there, and then shipped to uh, to uh, Jerez, and put in a little also sherry cask. And so we uh, we decided to uh, we decided to to bottle it and 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 bring it here, um, and do like um, you know fifteen fifteen odd bottles at a time because that's really uh, as much as um, you know I thought we could sell in a year and. Um, that's about it. So the stuff, the stuff is kind of, it's kind of different. You know, it's it's uh, it, it has it, it's a bone dry rum, ball foolproof at fifty one percent alcohol. There's a lot of oloroso sherry characteristic on the mid palate, so it has this sweetness. But the it's high acid, so it cleans after itself. So it's not it's not like a like a dessert rum. It has like three di- dimensions on your palate just because of the oloroso. But then it's it's like bone dry and and like you know almost like savory on the finish. And it's uh, it's like rum and sherry sort of. I love together. both of those things. So, They're in the same bottle. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's it's like I, I I like it a lot. Um, it's you know I, I I basically bring stuff that I that I like a lot um, that I can stand like hundred percent behind and say yeah you know I mean try it you like it you don't but I I really think it's it's you know cool and you should you know drink it and and then we we'll see we we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean like those rums are insane, and I I would really push anyone into buying those because I mean. To me, like, I mean, we're talking after the show today about <laughs> the next order I'm putting in with you. <laughs> and uh, I don't think any of my customers are really going to get to see that bottle because I think it's all going to go to me. 
Uh, along with this, uh, the Gouri de Chateauville. Yeah, you don't want to drink. You don't want to drink both of them in the same seating. Yeah, maybe not. not. The next day, you're not going to go anywhere. But at the same time, I have to say that you and I need to hang out more because we have the like. I'm into the same things that you're drinking, man. That's, this that's, is awesome. I cool. like. I would if I were starting up an import and distribution brand. This I would be pulling in the same kind of things that you're bringing in. So this is really great, man. Um, how's it been? Like, I mean, like, how, I mean, you said that you're, you know, working seven days a week. I mean, like, from like the business side, it's like, it's a really ballsy move, you know, to like jump into this and like bring in these uh, really crazy, awesome, like obscure brands. I mean, like, how's it been so far? Um, so far, so far, it's been a lot of work and and gone beyond expectation, though. Because I started with zero business plan and absolutely no knowledge of what I was doing uh, four and a half years ago, um, I like if I, if I was redoing now, it would probably last like six months because um, <laughs> I was pretty stupid at the time because I didn't even know about the three tier system or whatever. Um, but I guess I've been I've been lucky uh, so far. Uh, been working pretty hard. Got good people working with me. Uh, so we're still, I mean, we're small, it's like, you know, uh, we're all together, we're like five, um, and uh, we're distributing our own stuff in, in New York. Um, we work in 17 states, some work better than others, um, but, uh, you know, it's a small it's a small operation, and the goal is to, uh, you know, like, we don't throw huge parties, we don't have a tour bus, uh, we <laughs> don't, we don't, it's just like, we go, we go one, pe- one person at a time, just taste people on stuff, try to you know, um, open their eyes as to what's available out there and, uh, hopefully we sell stuff. And, uh, and then I live in my, uh, blacked out Lamborghini with my, uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing crazy. Just like, <laughs> well, man, it, it's been an awesome pleasure to have you on the show today. I thank you for bringing the Koenig by, um, Jack's looking at through the window, wondering when we're going to finish up the show so he can have some. Um, Thanks for having me. But, uh, it. Yeah. Um, it's, it, dude, you're truly, very inspirational, man. A lot of people, you know, a lot of uh, people in the industry, like bartenders, waiters, restaurant, like people really want to go big and do something very meaningful. And I feel like what you're doing for for all of us is like, this is super, super fucking meaningful, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. It means a lot. Appreciate and it's it. great to have you on the show. And please come back anytime you'd like. I know your office is very close by, so uh, that's, that's a plus as well, you know. And, uh, Really, Nicholas, it's been really great having you on the show today. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Have a good day. All right. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check in to HeritageRadioNetwork.org for many other shows like this one. Till next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>